0: It's Father's Day. So watch this. Remembering 60 years back is hard for anyone. But for Melvin Amry, the groom in these pictures, Melvin was diagnosed with Alzheimer's three years ago. For his wife, Doris, it's been hard to watch. But she says something happened recently to remind her that the man she fell in love with is still in there. It's special because even though the mind doesn't remember everything... The heart remembers. It happened the day before Mother's Day when Melvin, who normally needs help just walking around the block, turned up missing. The a white male by the name of Melvin Amrine. Police dispatch here in Little Rock, Arkansas put out the call. He
1: left the house walking approximately 40 minutes ago.
0: They eventually found him two miles from his house. Police say they get these calls every once in a while of an Alzheimer's patient out wandering aimlessly. But this one was different. When the officers approached Melvin, they say it was clear. He was a man on a mission.
1: It was absolutely a moment of clarity
0: for him. Sergeant Brian Grigsby and Officer Troy Dillard say even though Melvin didn't know his address or where he'd come from, he absolutely knew where he was going. He he was pretty adamant he wasn't going home until he got those flowers. Flowers? That's what he wanted. He wanted flowers for his wife because uh, Tomorrow was Mother's Day. Melvin had bought flowers for his wife every Mother's Day since the birth of their first child. And he wasn't going to disappoint her now.
1: We had to get those flowers. We had to get them. (laughs) I didn't have a choice.
0: (laughs) So after telling dispatch, they were taking the man right home. And there's a progress. The officers secretly stopped by the grocery store. Surveillance video shows them helping Melvin pick out the flowers. And when Melvin came up short at the register... Look who slipped the cashier the difference. Meanwhile, back at home, a very worried wife was about to get the gift of a lifetime. As he came up those steps, and I saw those roses and the smile on his face, I I just broke inside. I just said, thank you, thank you,
1: because I saw his heart.
0: Amazing what's possible when love becomes an instinct.
1: Marvin, our mind's heart instinctively loved. And guess what, dads? Our hearts are to instinctively love in the same way. Now, what does that word instinctively mean? Well, instinctively means to know or do something from such a deep level that it is second nature, requiring little or no thought. And we certainly see that in the heart of a father in the Bible, In Genesis 22nd chapter, verses 2 and 3, and verse 8 in the NIV. And this is Abraham. And so God says to Abraham, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And you have to remember, Abraham was promised by God to have as many descendants as there were stars and as many grains of sand as there are on a seashore. And yet, at 90 years old, Abraham didn't have the first child. And so God gave Abraham and Sarah a child after they both were in their 90s. So God says, take your son, Isaac, whom you love, and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering. Are you kidding me? Sacrifice him? (laughs) My instincts then would have been to grab my son, run as far away from that spot as I possibly could, and run as far away from God as I could, but Abraham didn't do that. So take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I tell you about. And so what happened was early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled the donkey, took with him his two servants and his son, Isaac. So we know that the love of Abraham was so instinctive for his father, father God. And the love that he had for his son came through that instinctive love that he was ready to do that. And as we see the picture there on the screen, God sent, however, an angel to stop Abraham from sacrificing his son. Thus, God provided a lamb for that burnt offering instead of his son. That had to be incredibly tough for Abraham as a father. But he trusted God and sometimes for us dads, isn't it incredibly tough to be a dad? And we have to do the same thing. We have to trust God knowing that God will provide us with all that we need to deal with our kids and to do the things that God wants us to do as fathers. We also see in Colossians 3.22 in the Living Bible this, fathers, don't scold your children. God is saying there in that, fathers, if you look at some of the other versions Some of the other translations, fathers, don't embitter, don't provoke, don't aggravate, don't come down on, don't irritate, and don't nag your children. The next words there are so much. In other words, if we scold our children, we can do that, can't we? We can embitter them and provoke them and aggravate them, irritate and nag them. But God says, fathers, don't scold your children so much that they become discouraged and quit trying. You know, I know a man who, after high school, did real, real well, got a scholarship to Georgia Tech, which is kind of a prestigious school in in Atlanta, and it's a very, very difficult technical school. And so uh, he got a scholarship there, was excited about going, but his dad owned a business. And his dad didn't really want him to go off to college, he wanted him to work in the family business. And so he did all sorts of things, berated him, and and finally coaxed him into not taking that scholarship to Georgia Tech, instead staying at home with just a high school education, ...and working in the family business. And that worked out, oh, decently for a while. His dad passed away. He and his mother continued to run the business. But technology caught up with that business... ...and basically made that business worthless. And so after many, many years working in it... ...they had to close the business. Mom sold it out from under him... ...and sold all the property for it as well. And he ended up with nothing. And he was terribly discouraged. All the time he was working in it... ...thinking he was going to have this grand business... And then it just disappeared. He also was very, very frustrated in his heart and his spirit, and also very, very angry. And so you see, it was his father who caused him to be very discouraged in life. And although he still tried to work and do things, he just never has been the same man ever since. You see, fathers can do that. They can do that through scolding. They can do that through controlling their kids. Interestingly, our job as fathers is not to do that, it's to do just the opposite. And of all people, actor and comedian Jim Carrey had something to say about this and his father in a commencement address at a university in Iowa. Watch this.
0: My father could have been a great comedian, but he didn't believe that that was possible for him. And so he made a conservative choice. Instead, he got a safe job as an accountant. And when I was 12 years old, He was let go from that safe job, and our family had to do whatever we could to survive. I learned many great lessons from my father, not the least of which was that you can fail at what you don't want, so you might as well take a chance on doing what
1: you love. And you see, as fathers, that's what we're to be about. We're to teach our kids how to love, to enable our kids to be able to do the things that they love. And we certainly see a lot about love, don't we, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8 in the NIV, called the love chapter in the Bible, where it says, Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, and it does not boast. Love is not proud, love is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. In short, love never fails. You see, that's what we're to do as fathers. We're to teach our kids how to love. Because there is so much about life we learn as we teach our kids to love. Just in those five short verses in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Love teaches us and our kids about kindness and envy and boasting. It teaches us about pride. It teaches us about self-centeredness, about anger, about doing wrong, and about evil, Truth, protection, trust, hope, perseverance, kind of incredible. You can learn all of those things as you teach your kids to love. And the place that that love is centered is in their heart. So, how do you, as a dad, do that? How do you teach your kids to love in that way? Well, what you have to do is you have to connect with your kids. You have to connect with your kids in a very special way with them one on one. Now, dads, sometimes it's kind of easy. You can take the ball out and throw it in the yard. You can connect with them that way. You can take them fishing. Sometimes dads and their daughters are a little more challenging. You know, they may want to have tea parties, and so you know, you kind of sit at the little table with your <laughs> knees in your chin and have a tea party. But I really like what this guy did in connecting with his daughter.
0: We got the spirit. We're hot. We can't be stopped. We got the spirit. We're hot. We can't be stopped. We're gonna beat them and bust them. the <laughs> smallest <laughs> moments <laughs> can have the biggest <laughs> impact <laughs> on a child's <laughs> life. <laughs> Kick, a bit, rally, Take time to be a dad,.: today. All those boys are much too much. Oh.
1: <laughs> that dad connected with his daughter and helping her to learn how to be a cheerleader, and actually Dad was better than his daughter was. <laughs> but that's what we have to do. It's a father's job to lock love into their children's hearts. So how do they do that? Well, there's four keys that Scripture shows us in enabling a dad to lock love into a child's heart. And the first of these we see in Proverbs 22, 6, in the message, paraphrase. It says, point your kids. Now, if we look at some of the other translations of this verse. It says, train your kids or direct your kids or teach your kids. So... Point your kids in the right direction, the Scripture says. But what does the right direction really mean? Well, again, those other versions of this particular verse say the right direction is the way they should go, or the right direction is putting them onto the right path, or the right direction is how to live right. And so we're to point our kids in the right direction. Dads, we're to train them in the ways they should go. We're to direct them onto the right path and teach them how to live. And in doing that, the thing that it tells us is we need to be faithful. We need to be faithful to God's direction in our lives, men. And in doing that, God then also teaches us in incredible ways how to direct our kids' lives to God. So we're to be faithful to God's direction, and through that, God shows us how to direct our kids towards Him. So point your kids in the right direction. In terms of doing that, the actor, two-time Oscar winner, Denzel Washington who is one of the strongest christian a-listers in hollywood says this i pray that you all put
0: your shoes way under the bed that night so that you got to get on your knees in the morning yeah. and while you're down there thank god for grace and mercy and understanding. we have a little boy in our show we're doing raising in the sun We have a circle. We pray every day. And his prayer, this boy is prayed up. He just (laughs) prays that we go out and touch someone tonight. He says, God, somebody out there needs us tonight. And we all have that unique gift to go out and touch people, to affect people. Understand that gift. Protect that gift. Appreciate that gift. Utilize that gift. Don't abuse that gift. Treasure it.
1: Dads, we have that ability. We have that ability to affect our kids, to touch them every day. And we're to understand that ability that we have. And we're to utilize that ability we have. We're to protect it. We're to treasure it every day. Dads, we're to point our kids in the right direction so that when they are old, they won't be lost when we're no longer around to guide them. So be faithful. To God's direction in your life man and be faithful to God's direction for your kids as their father now, the second thing in terms of locking love into the hearts of our kids we see in the story of the prodigal son now you remember this story this is the story where a son asked his father for his inheritance now and the son receives that from his dad his dad assumed that the son wanted to go out and make his own way however the son ended up wasting his inheritance And the son ended up starving with nothing. And as he was starving with nothing, he realized that his father's servants in his house, his hired hands, so to speak, um, had a lot more to eat, had a much better life than he was having. And so he decided to go back and he hoped that he would be able to work as one of his father's hired hands. So he is heading back to his dad. And we see in Luke 15, 20, this. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. Filled with compassion for him, he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And you see, that's what dads do. Even though their sons or their daughters may be a long way off, a long way away from where they are, they still can see them in their minds. They still can see them in their hearts. And they still have great compassion and love for them. If there are times that things are challenging for their kids or hard or rough for their kids, then dads just are ready to run, run to their kids and to love them and to put their arms around them, to, in a sense, kiss them, to do whatever they need to do. Now, what this shows us is, is that as fathers, we're to be open, we're to be open to the unforeseen paths of our kids. If you're a parent, you're a father, you know your kids are going to take many, many unforeseen paths that you never ever could perceive beforehand. If you think the story of the prodigal son is a little bit exaggerated, let me tell you what, in terms of a son asking his father for inheritance, I know a a guy that has somewhat of a significant inheritance and his son left home, doesn't care anything about his dad until he needs some money, until the car breaks down or until... This or that happens. And then he's all over his dad again. Otherwise, doesn't want anything to do with him. And then in terms of a son wanting to make his own way, I, I know a, a guy whose son sofa surfs. He wants to make his own way, be his own man, so he sofa surfs. He goes around to all his friends, stays with his friends a few days. When they finally get sick of him, they send him home for a while. His parents receive him home. His job is working in a band whenever he can get to work. And uh, he expects mom and dad to pay for his car insurance, pay for his cell phone, pay for his gas. And then, too, in terms of a son wasting his inheritance, I know a guy whose son wasted his freedom in his early 20s. He got into some bad stuff on the Internet and received 25 years in federal prison. In terms of a son starving with nothing, I uh, know a guy whose kid sometimes is homeless and sometimes is hungry. In terms of a son hoping to work as his father's hired hand, I know uh, a guy whose son who does that he works for his father for a while and then after that he, he figures he's going to do his own thing go his own way and they have to let him go and then after that he comes back and they hire him and they let him go and so all these things require dads today to be open to the unforeseen paths of their kids just like in the days of jesus in the story of the prodigal son These dads have to be open to these unforeseen paths. My dad never thought he'd have a boy that had hair like a girl. If you remember in the 60s and the 70s, that long hair thing came up, and sure enough, there I was. And then at 20, I was so wise, I said, I'm going to take a trip with my friends to California. We're going to drive my car, and we're going to go surf on the West Coast and see what life is like out there. Let me say that was an unforeseen path for a guy whose kid was in college less than a year before, but then had dropped out. So what did he do? He was open to that, even though he wasn't excited about it. So he helped me get my car ready, and we bought this little crazy trailer, and he helped uh, put windows and lights and all sorts of things to make it possible. And you see, with fathers, they are to be open to unforeseen paths those kids are going to take. And they're to receive them with compassion. And so we see the third thing in terms of locking love into our kids' hearts through the story of the prodigal son. We see in Luke 15, verses 21 through 23 in the NIV, in which the son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. We see again that picture on the screen there. The dad is, he's receiving his son with compassion for the unrighteous. Foreseen path that he took, wasting all of his inheritance. But look at the body language here on the son. You see, the son has genuine remorse. And look at the clothing on his son. It's merely rags falling off of him. So his father there is forgiving to the genuine remorse of his son. You see, that's the thing we're to do, dads. When our kids take those unforeseen paths and when they See the futility of that? And they are genuinely remorseful. We are to receive them back. We are to be forgiving to them. And there's something else that comes with that. The father said to his servants there as the son came back asking for his forgiveness, to bring the best robe and put it on him. Now, certainly the son needed some clothing because what the rags he had were falling off of him, but the best robe? That seems a little weird. And he also says, put a ring on his finger. Why would you put a ring on the finger of someone who is going to be your hired hand? Dad had something more in mind. Father also said, put sandals on his feet. Well, you see, that dad did more than forgive him. Part of that forgiveness was restoring him as his son. Because only his son would get to wear the best robe. Only his son would get to wear a ring. Only his son would have his sandals provided by his father. And you see, that's what God does with us. And that's what dads, what we're to do when our kids are generally remorseful. We're to forgive them, yes, but we're also to do those things to help restore them. Now, in my case, as I went to California with two friends, we ended up blowing all our money, of course, we were young. And the transmission on the car it was a three-speed Mustang, and the second gear went out when we were on the west coast of the United States. And so somehow we limped back from Phoenix 54 and a half hours straight through with first and third gear. And so when we got home, there was Dad. Dad spent many nights and many hours and considerable amount of money with his son rebuilding the manual transmission. But you see, he forgave me and he restored me at the same time. And Dads, that's what we're to do. And then the fourth key to locking love into our children's hearts, we see in Luke 15, 23. And the father says, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. See, dads, that's what we're to do. We're to celebrate fatherhood, the great honor we have of raising our kids. And I know sometimes some of the things that God may be saying to you about your life and them and, some of the unforeseen things, being open to that, being forgiving of them and some of those things can be really, really tough and may not seem like cause to celebrate, but nonetheless, understand the very, very special position, the very, very special thing in your life that your children are to you. In fact, a lot of us sometimes miss it, don't we? And there's a song that's popular called We Live. It's by a group called Super Chick, and it really kind of talks about a mom, but I substituted father in this, so you guys will forgive me for that. But it, it really talks about celebrating that. It really talks about overlooking those other things. And it goes something like this. There's a cross on the side of the road where the father lost his son. How could he know that the morning he left would be the last time? He'd trade with him for a little more time, so he could say he loved him one last time. But with life, we never know when we're coming up to the end of the road. So what do we do then with tragedy around the bend? We live. We love. We forgive and never give up. Because the days we are given are gifts from above. And today we remember to live and to love. To live and to love. You see, guys, that's what we're to do. We're to live with God and we're to love God our Father with a love in our heart that is just instinctual, that it's so deep there. We are to live and we are to love our wives with a love that is so instinctive and deep. And we are to live and to love our children with hearts so filled with that instinctual love. So as we see the father and the prodigal son, we are to be faithful in God's direction. That's the first thing, locking love into our kid's heart. And the second thing, of course, is to be open to their unforeseen past. And thirdly, we are to forgive their genuine remorse and also to restore them. And fourthly, we are to cherish the journey of being a dad because it is such a special and such a precious thing. And one way we can do that is to listen when our kids address us, when our kids say dad or daddy. That is often is such a beautiful thing that we don't even listen to because we're like, okay, what do they want now? But listen to these kids as they address their dad in this way. D dads, cherish the journey. We see in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 and 2, 8, and verse 13 in the message this. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. That's because love never fails. So, trust steadily in God. Hope unswervingly and love extravagantly. For the greatest of these is to love. So, dads, here's what we're to do. We are to love instinctively in our hearts. And, dads, we are to teach our kids to love instinctively in theirs. Will you join me in prayer? Great God, thank you so much for your love for us. A love that's overwhelming, a love that's so great and broad that we we never can really comprehend it. But help us to open our hearts and our lives as fully as possible so that we can receive your love. Father, we know as we do that, it grows greater and greater, our understanding, our appreciation of it, our ability to receive it. And we pray, Father, that as dads, Earthly fathers, that we would be so open to you and that you would fill us exceedingly with the wisdom and instinctive love for our children. And so, Father, thank you that we need not walk the road alone as orphans or that as fathers that we need not do this on our own, that you are there to guide us each step of the way. So, Father, we just ask you to be with our earthly dads today. We know, Father, some of them are with you and not with us. We thank you for them. We thank you for their memory. We thank you for those dads that are still with us, Father. And may we today celebrate them as we celebrate you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.